This podcast is brought to you by the Love Serve Remember Foundation and Ramdas.org. Welcome to Ramdas Here and Now. I'm Raghu Marcus, and we continue our series, The Promises and Pitfalls of the Spiritual Path. This is part three. I don't usually go this far into some of these lectures, but I... There's just so much rich material in this particular talk that he gave, Ramdas gave, um, that uh, I thought it would be good for us all to go through this a little bit, and uh, in that light, here is uh, <laughs> here's the first thing uh, I noticed uh, that I I love this uh, little. Uh, he quotes Trungpa Rinpoche, who we've mentioned a million times already, not in, just in this podcast, but in this, the other podcast that I do called Mind Rolling Podcast, mindrollingpodcast.com. You can go and get me and this guy, Dave Silver, an old friend of mine in Ram Dass's. And uh, it's a little more entertaining. Not that, uh, of course, who's better at, at uh, delivering these uh, mess, spiritual messages in in a fashion which allows us to absorb it than Ramdas. Anyhow, this uh, Trungpa said, "Enlightenment is the ego's ultimate disappointment." <laughs> I love that. It's so great. Uh, in this talk, Ramdas talks about uh, the spiritual journey uh, is a it's a different path in which you thought you were on. Once you start to get into it, uh, and it's hard to make the transition because you have all of these, uh, I mean, we project what we think the path is. And as we get on it and understand some of the tenets of a basic, uh, uh, how to live balanced in this, in this life, uh, it, it's a difficult, uh, transition. And, um, he's, he mentions that, um, you know, you, you get, you feel more powerful when you start to lose some of the, uh, attachments that, uh, complicate your life and you start to simplify and you start to understand, you know, the mind and, and its workings. So, um, from, this spiritual work, you get this power and you kind of make your life nice. But that's not freedom and it's not what the, the, the spiritual path offers, which ultimately is freedom. And he talks about how freedom demands complete surrender. I just I want to go back. I went to India, as many of you know, if you've listened to these podcasts following meeting Ramdas in the early 70s. I went to India because he went there and I was going to find uh, Maharaji by hook or crook. And But before I, I was writing to Ramdas, uh, when I got to India, imagine we were writing letters to a postal address, and it was actually working. Uh, so before any of uh, meeting him and, of course, meeting Maharaji, I went to live in, uh, in an ashram, the Sri Aurobindo ashram, and the resident guru there, Sri Aurobindo, had uh, left his body, had died uh, previously, early 50s, I believe. But there was uh, his uh, partner in spirituality. It wasn't uh, nothing to do with the romantic. 
it was uh, she was from France and had come over because she had a vision of Sri Aurobindo and knew she had to be there. And uh, she came over there and she was simply called Mother. And uh, I did manage. Uh, she was very old and not well. Um, and I was there for a couple of months, at least, maybe more, uh, before I could actually see her have darshan, as it's called, uh, which was momentous. It was firm for me because it was the first time I was with um, a, a being in some sort of state of realization. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't have known. And I didn't have a uh, guide uh, post, shall we say, or a rudder as to what that was until I met Neem Karoli Baba later on. But anyhow, here I was uh, in this ashram, and uh, when I first got there, so I had all these uh, concepts. Of course, I had listened to eight zillion Ramdas lectures, and I had started my way onto the spiritual path. And uh, so happened uh, at this uh, at this ashram, uh, there was a, a, a I don't know what you would call it, but there was a community that was set up by Westerners called Oroville. And uh, different communities from, you know, different um, parts of the West, uh, the one. And so I went to one. I gravitated to one that was an American community. And it's kind of out in the desert by the ocean. I mean, it was spectacular scenery. And uh, um, I was just uh, enthralled by the whole thing, just the exoticness, the exotic nature of it. I actually built myself uh, in this community a little hut Unfortunately, I built it. Um, I decided, well, this is, God, it's so hot here. I'm going to have to, I think I'll build it into the ground. In other words, I had these guys dig out six feet down in, under, and then I put this wonderful uh, thatched roof on top. So it would be cool. It was cool. And it was cool that there was a, what wasn't cool. It was very cool for me to sit in there, although I never really got a chance to, to, to be in there because it was super crowded in there with about, uh, you know, six or eight vipers. Now, vipers are the most poisonous snakes on earth, never mind the um, cobras and so on. I mean, cobras we could have handled, but the vipers we couldn't, so I never got to stay in um, my wonderful hut in Oroville. Meanwhile, uh, here I am, a newbie, so to speak, on, on the spiritual path, thinking I've, I'm already enlightened. I've found what I you know, needed to, to uh, be happy in this life, and I was a hell of a lot happier. Anyhow, I went to, uh, there was a uh, one compound uh, nearby, that was uh, run by a Swiss man who was a uh, uh, had been a, a disciple of Jung, and was a psycho psychiatrist, psychologist, not sure what. So he had uh, a lot of different Jungian techniques that he was running people through, and one of them was this uh, sandbox thing. Those of you who know uh, Jung's work. I mean, I know very little about it, but all I knew is he said, go play in that sandbox and, you know, we'll come and read it. So they would read, you know, how. So I organized this sandbox like a mandala. I had, you know, like Christ in one corner and Krishna in another and, and an image of the mother goddess and, you know, and all tied together. I mean, it was like perfect. 
guy comes over and he reads this thing and he says, you people coming from the West, you have this, first of all, you have a Christ complex, like you're going to come and save humanity by virtue of, of your uh, in, in, <laughs> impending enlightenment. And, uh, and he said, and you're going to do all of this while you still engage in, um, you know, tremendous uh, sexual proclivities. He was reading into the fact that I was going to take all of my um, familiar ego stuff. This is what I got out of this, uh, you know, at that time. Um, and I was going to care. I was going to get enlightened, but I was going to have all of this stuff carried with me, you know, um, the sexual and uh, all of the attachments. I wanted them all with me and I wanted my personality with me as I went into this wonderful enlightenment uh, from which I would be of benefit to the world in general. So uh, the, uh, he just called me on the depth of my illusion about the, um, uh, about the spiritual path. And, and it's exactly as Ramdas is pointing it out here, you know, that uh, making that transition, once you understand, um, is not as easy as it would seem. And, and it involves surrender. And uh, again, that big bad word surrender because you know everybody relates to surrender as giving up yourself to somebody else's control you know i mean and i think we've talked about this before that's a whole you know that would be 10 podcasts and we still wouldn't understand what surrender you know surrender really means and um and in here, I mean, Ramda simply says, surrender who you think you are and what you think you're doing, what, what you're doing into what is. So in taking my own example, I wanted to bring along all of that stuff, you know, and, and not really fully surrender. And that's, that's the case. And he calls it, it this. It's the game of dying into yourself. And certainly there is a death. A death and people do grieve because who you thought you were starts to disappear and that is a scary thing and and again back to psychedelics I did have that experience through psychedelics so I understood to some degree uh, about this dying into oneself Ramdas uh, currently talks about it uh, in another way what does he say I'm going to love myself to death because he talks a lot about how to engage with your uh, destructive emotions and thoughts is not obviously to turn away from them, to shut them down, to turn your back. It's to actually love them, which is a, um, a direct way of explaining what Tantra really is. Again, a whole other complex subject that we won't get into. Um, and then, uh, just a funny thing. It just made me think later on in this talk, he talks about, he quotes from the third Chinese patriarch, this very famous, uh, these very famous stanza. And it's the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. When love and hate are absent, everything becomes clear and undisguised. So, 
my response has always been, it's not difficult for, <laughs> it's not difficult for those who have no preferences. Well, how do we get there? And, and how do we get love and hate or absence? Everything becomes clear. This is a little far reaching, isn't it, folks, for us? But uh, we do have to reach out for something. Um, and uh, one last, uh, you know, the great way is not difficult. Potentially, it's not difficult for those who have no preferences. Um, and then another quote from a Tibetan Lama that I love, um, from uh, whose name is Kalu Rinpoche, who I did meet in India and had this uh, miraculous experience with as Maharaji uh, had told me I was going to meet him and he was going to give me teachings and how long they were going to be. I mean, it was, it was a mind blower. So he said, we live in illusion, the appearance of things, but there is a reality and we are that reality. Okay. That's tough right there. But when you understand this, you see that you are nothing and being nothing, you are everything. That's all. So these are just little clues and signposts uh, really to, I mean, that's a, a good, um, there's good connectivity there with thinking about surrender, you know, and, and that's when you understand that you are nothing. Okay. So when we let go and we surrender who we think you are. When I was there in that, uh, in the Sri Aurobindo ashram in Oroville at this guy's compound, I wanted to bring everything with me. The monkey on my back, the whole ego array. I wanted to bring it with you, with me. So I was not down with the concept of being nothing. I was not down with surrendering those things which kept me separate. And I think, the, you know, the, that's a, a very, very important uh, teaching. So this is uh, great stuff here. Is there anything else I want to think? Oh, I want to tell everybody, uh, you know, I'm starting to see some direct support from y'all. Uh, I'm in the South, you understand. And I'm trying to talk like everybody talks here. Um, so I, I thank you for the support and, uh, you know, whatever you, you can do, uh, just hit the donate button, uh, on either on the site or on the podcast site. Uh, and, uh, it would really be great to help uh, further the foundation. Love Server Member Foundation presents everything that uh, we do, that Ramdas does, that, um, other teachers that we have, uh, that come from Neem Karoli Baba or uh, in that environment that we met in the early days, like Sharon Salzberg and Joseph Goldstein from the Vipassana community, which we are very close to. Um, so thanks for the support and, and please do continue. Uh, and we appreciate it. And uh, here's Ramdas here and now third part of the promises and pitfalls of the spiritual path. And in a way, what's happening is the ego has been based on, the whole structure of it has been based on our separateness and our needs and desires to make us feel comfortable and happy and at home. 
And as Trungpa Rinpoche said in his rascally way, he said, enlightenment is the ego's ultimate disappointment. And that's the predicament. You see the fact that your spiritual journey is an entirely different ball game than the one you thought you were on. It's a different path than you thought you were on. And it's very hard to make that transition, and a lot of people don't want to. They want to take the power from their spiritual work and make their life nice. That is wonderful, and I honor it, and it's great. And it's exactly your karmuppance. But that is not freedom, and that is not what the spiritual path offers as the potential. It offers freedom, but freedom demands complete surrender. Meaning surrender of who you think you are and what you think you're doing into what is. And it's mind-boggling when you understand how powerful, it's the game of dying into yourself. But there is a death in it, and people grieve. There is a grief when you start, who you thought you were starts to disappear. Kala Rinpoche says, he's a beautiful man, beautiful, beautiful man. He said, we live in illusion, the appearance of things. But there is a reality. We are that reality. When you understand this, you see that you are nothing. And being nothing, you are everything. That's all. Is that so far? Can you hear that? We live in illusion, the appearance of things. But there is a reality. We are that reality. When you understand this, you see that you are nothing. You're nothing special anymore. You're just part of it all. And being nothing, but you are part of it all. You're everything. The minute you gave up your specialness, you're part of all things. Then you're in harmony, you're in the Tao, you're in the way of things, you're in the moment. But you're not anybody anymore. You're just part of it. This is just phenomena happening at this moment. The illusion that I'm doing this and that you're busy listening, that's all our minds. Behind it, here we are, there's just this. Nothing else, nothing special. This stuff is very, very far out, and we don't want to hear how far out it is. I just take people through the first line of the third Chinese patriarch of Zen's writings. Just the first line. It's a little booklet. It's only about 10 pages long. First line says, the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. When love and, the, third, the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. When love and hate, when, uh, when love and hate are absent, everything becomes clear and undisguised. Yes. The, the slightest distinction, however, and heaven and earth are set infinitely apart. The great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. When love and hate are, are both absent, everything becomes clear and undisguised. 
To make the slightest distinction, however, in heaven and earth are infinitely apart. Sorry, I don't remember it exactly. You can see why I don't want to remember it. <laughs> it's interesting because that doesn't mean have no preferences. And now this isn't a cop-out. This is, this is as deep as I can get. It doesn't mean having no preferences. It means not being attached to your preferences. Of course you have preferences and opinions, but you don't have preferences and opinions. That's the one. If you don't get what you want, you don't get what you want. How interesting. Because the interesting process is the transformation, not getting what you want all the time. Surrender. Surrender, surrender, surrender. Surrender. Mahatma Gandhi, one of my great teachers, says, God demands nothing less than complete self-surrender as the price for the only freedom that is worth having. When a person thus loses herself or himself, she or he immediately finds himself in the service of all that lives. It becomes their delight and recreation. They are a new people, never weary of spending themselves in the service of God's creation. Reminds me of the story of the pig and chicken that are walking down the street. And they're hungry and they want breakfast and they come to a restaurant and they start to go in and it's, the pig says, I'm not going in there. Why not? Because there's a sign that says ham and eggs. Chicken says, oh, come on, we'll have something else. Pig says, look, it's fine for you. All they want is a contribution from you. From me, they want total surrender. They want everything. Okay, I gotta finish quick. I'm sorry I'm running so far. <laughs> it's just such interesting stuff. Um, <laughs> if I do say, it's not mine. Um, one of the things we develop along the way is the witness, the ability to quietly observe the phenomena, including our own behavior, our own emotions, our own reactions, and it's fascinating. And as you cultivate the witness more deeply, it's like you're living simultaneously on two levels. There's a level of witness, and then there's the level of desire, fear, emotions, action, reaction, etc. That is a stage in the process. And it gives you, again, a great deal of power. There is another stage beyond that, which is, again, the surrender issue. Here's a quote. When the mind gazes into the mind itself, the train of discursive and conceptual thought ends and supreme enlightenment is gained. See, when the witness turns in on itself, when the witness witnesses the witness, it's like a Zen koan technique, then you go in behind that and then you come into awareness where everything just is. And you're no longer busy with one part of your mind watching another. You're not busy watching, you're just being. It comes very simple again. I'm having the most extraordinary experience these days that most, that I have gotten an increasing number of letters. Here I have spent 25 years trying to become divine. 
and most of the letters I get now say thank you for being so human. <laughs> Isn't that far out? <laughs> Um, the, one of the big traps we have in the West is our intelligence, is our thinking, because we want to know we know. And the thing about freedom is you can be wise or you can know knowledge. You can't know wisdom, you can be wise. Wisdom has simplicity to it. When my guru wanted to put me down, he called me clever. When he wanted to reward me, he'd say he's simple. And I can understand the way in which we want to, <clears throat> that the intellect is a beautiful servant, as I think uh, Vivekananda, Yogananda said, it's a beautiful servant, but it's a terrible master. The thing is that the intellect is the power tool of our separateness. And the intuitive, compassionate heart is the doorway to our unity. And the dialogue between the mind and the heart has gotten out of balance in this culture so that we are enamored of our intellectual powers, just like we must have been at one time of our prehensile capacity. We are enamored of our intellectual power, which is in the service of protecting us as separate entities. So to the intellect, the heart, which would give away the shop, is seen as a threat, an insward threat. Because when you see somebody in the street, here, take my coat, here, take my, my here, and the mind's saying, now wait a minute, forget that lilies in the field crap, just think about tomorrow. Yeah. And in a way, what the spiritual path at its best offers is a chance for us to come back into the innate, compassionate quality of our heart and our intuitive wisdom and get back into the balance where when we need our intellect, it's available as a servant, but we are not ruled by it and trapped in our thinking mind. <clears throat> and to me, that is well worth working for because as Albert Hoffman pointed out this morning, most of the social, ecological, and political problems we have are the creation of the human intellect as along with all the benefits. And the answer to that is the re-recognition of the unitive nature of all things and realizing you are nothing and therefore you are everything. <clears throat> what I have done tonight is try to show you that the spiritual path is a is an is a graceful opportunity for us. The fact that you and I even hear there is such a path is such grace for a human life from a karmic point of view. And each of us must be true to ourselves to hear what is our unique way through. Because if you get phony holy, it ends up kicking you in the butt. You've got to stay true to yourself. And for people to say things like, if I didn't have my children, I could meditate. Your children are your path. For many people, service is their path. For many people, their marriage is their path. Relationship yoga is exquisite yoga. 
I don't mean sloppy, I mean really disciplined techniques. Meditation is a beautiful baseline for the whole game. Devotional practices are extraordinary. These are all incredibly useful. Study of metaphysics, of the words of holy people, are just incredible. We have the chance to become the truth which we're yearning for. One of Gandhi's strongest lines that guides me all the time is that he's sitting on a train and a reporter rushes up and says, Mahatmaji, give me a message to take back to the people in my village. And Gandhi just has time to scribble on a paper bag and he hands it out and it says, my life is my message. And it's like the rabbi who said, I went to see the tzaddik, the mystic rabbi, in the other village. He said, I didn't go to study the Torah with him. I went to see how he ties his shoes. And St. Francis says, it doesn't pay to walk to preach unless our preaching is our walking. Finally, we must integrate the spirituality into our daily lives, bring into it the equanimity and the joy and the awe and the ability to look suffering in the eye and embrace it into yourself without averting your glance. When I work with AIDS patients and I'm holding somebody and my heart is breaking because I love this person and they are suffering so much with fissures in their rectum and social ostracism and all of that shit and I, I can't handle it. I mean, I'm crying with them and at the same moment inside of me is this equanimity and joy. And I don't, it's almost, the paradox is almost too much for me to be able to handle. But that is what real helping is about. Because if all you do is get caught in the suffering, all you're doing is digging everybody's hole deeper. Finally, you work on yourself spiritually as an offering to your fellow beings. Because until you have cultivated that quality of peace and equanimity and love and joy and presence and honesty and truth and simplicity, all of your acts are colored by your attachments. You can't wait to be enlightened to act. So you use your acts as ways of working on yourself. So while we started out tonight talking about paths and practices and lineages, for me, my entire life is my path. Every experience I have as Emmanuel, my ghostly friend, said to me, Ramdas, why don't you take the curriculum? Try being human. Because it's all the curriculum. It's an exquisite curriculum. I invite you to join me in matriculating. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, while you're up and stretching, stay up and keep stretching. And let me just tell you what we're going to do now.
And uh, if you got to pee and stuff, that's fine. But we're going to keep going because we, we want to keep moving. Uh, we're going to do a practice now. Let's try to stay with this for a second. We're going to do a practice of chanting. Now, you've heard chanting before, I'm sure, and you say, oh, isn't that nice? I remember when we used to chant up in my father's barn. We were chanting Hare Krishna. And he'd say, who is this Hare Krishna? And I said, he says, it's a pretty tune, but do you have to keep repeating it? And the answer is that it's a method that what you do is you use your singing and your energy and you repeat. This is Rama on the stage and that's Gangadhar. Gangadhar is the drummer and Rama is singing and with a harmonium. And she will sing a line and then we will repeat it back to her. And then she'll just take us on a trip through that singing. And what you do is it'll be a little alien to many of you, but that's okay. Just let's surrender into it and allow it at first to be strange and then just watch your own reactions and take it in deeper and deeper. It isn't, the game isn't to get into the emotional, yeah. It's to take it in deeper and deeper until the repetition is just like following the breath. It's a, it's a technique. It's not serious. It's light and you can move to it any way you want or sit. And we do it for a little while together. Okay, it's just an experiment. And those of you that don't feel comfortable doing that are free to just quietly leave. And the rest of us will play for a little while. Brahma.
This podcast has been brought to you by the Love Serve Remember Foundation and Ramdas.org. We appreciate all the support for the Foundation and for Ramdas's work, and we hope that you will continue that support. You can go to Ramdas.org and click on the Donate Now button and follow the prompts. Thank you.